Want to make your own podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easy, then distribute it everywhere, and even earn money. All in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters. Here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then, you can distribute your podcast to Spotify, and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Ever since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I feel like I have an outlet for the creativity and ideas I want to share with the world. I recommend you give it a try. We all have a voice, so share it with the world. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to spotify.com slash podcasters to get started today. She wasn't 100% sanctified, you know, in her adult life, in her mid-30s. She was still dealing with issues. But at the core part of her body, uh, of her being, she had accepted the work of the cross. She was born again. So in my, so she's a Christian, but yet she's got these vexations from the past that still she's she's still not free from so in in her situation in her testimony it wasn't being free first then coming to christ it was an acceptance of the cross and then through that inner core the the onion is being unraveled and being peeled back and and she's being cleansed Uh, vexation could be a smaller part a smaller effect that you're dealing with and it's not a complete control and I think if you're willing to open yourself up to something you're willing to get something you know even as a believer you 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 put your hand through that hedge the snake's gonna bite you Welcome to the Days of Noah podcast, where we talk all things biblical, supernatural, and strange. This week, we're going to follow up with discussion on the post from last week, which was a repost of Timothy Bentz, an interview he gave with Rob Skiba about a decade ago. And so this was a a repost of a particular section where Tim discussed what he called the gatekeeping principle of just how much our own obedience or lack thereof or what we are willing to allow in the gates of our hearts how that affects uh, our family our community the world around us and so uh, Luke Don and myself are going to kind of talk about how that um, interview impacted us so enjoy well yeah well welcome back guys and um, so we're going to be kind of discussing and commenting on um, a portion of Rob Skiba's interview with Tim Bentz from years ago. And this portion is not so much about the Canaanite altars and Federal Reserve and, and that whole very, very interesting thing. But it's more on the, the topics that Tim brought up uh, in the second part of the interview where he's talking about, you know, kind of his his personal holiness being challenged by God over many things over his life and a principle that he calls the gatekeepers 
principle of just how much of an impact our own, what we allow in our own hearts affects the community around us spiritually. So yeah, why don't you guys just kind of share some of your initial impressions and then we'll gradually get into, you know, some of the points that Tim brought up and, and maybe as Don, you said earlier, uh, some of the things that we're not so sure about. I think the first thing that I would bring up would be, um, you know, how, uh, convicting that entire, uh, listen was, it was a very easy listen, meaning I wasn't distracted. I was, uh, captivated by it. And the, I think the takeaway for me was, um, we don't see a lot of these things because we're people of sight. We like to see things tangible in front of us. Um, and so we don't see a lot of the things like, um, you know, demon possession and, um, like altars breaking and things like that. But my mind is, has been opened up here because God is limitless. And I don't think God just, you know, sits around and, you know, lets us go to church on Sunday and then, you know, live our lives and maybe tell, you know, a couple people about Jesus. I think that people who are really sold out to God and have prayed the prayer, you know, search me and, you know, if they find any, anything wicked in me. Um, I think that people like that probably have an entirely different experience. Yeah. Yeah, I would, uh, I would agree with that. Um, you know, just looking at my, how, how often do we create theology out of our own experiences? You know, I grew up this way. This is my denomination that I go to and that's my bubble and that's my doctrine, you know, um, where unfortunately, you know, obviously Christ prayed it when he was in the flesh that we be one as a body and we're not there yet. There's a lot of divisions in the church, uh, in the denominational churches and with the bride of Christ. So um, we're definitely not there yet, but to have our eyes at least open to that fact, like, okay, be in agreement with the Lord's prayer that we be unified, um, I, I think is, is, a, is a good thing to keep in mind um, and to be humble of heart, like you said, Don, to Lord, search me, judge me. You know, I can't think of any sins that I've committed today or, you know, thoughts that, you know, I shouldn't have thought or whatever, but you know, the deepest part of my heart, the intentions of my heart, which the Bible says is evil. You know, mm-hmm. the flesh comes back every day. It needs to be crucified. It needs, it needs to die. You can't redeem the flesh. Um, so it's that spirit and soul of us that even though we might have accepted the work of the cross, we're daily being conformed into his image um, by the washing of the word, by the, by the submitting to his um, spirit and, and his leading and, and being obedient and stuff. And it's, it's a grind, <laughs> you know, how many times, uh, I, I can testify that it's just like, Oh Lord. Okay. Let me pick myself up, up again. You know, 
I thought I conquered that and now I'm, I'm struggling with where did that come from? You know, out of yeah. my mind or yeah. out of my heart or, you know, you lash out and say something you shouldn't have said. And, and, but, uh, the nice thing is, what is the Bible? Uh, the, the word says, uh, God's mercies are new every morning. Yeah. You know, That's where right. sin abounds, grace more so abounds. Mm-hmm. So he's, he's an amazing man. And if we do get an opportunity to, uh, to interview him or pick his brain and get a little bit of mentorship through that conversation, um, I think that would be, it could be life changing. Yeah. It could know, be very valuable. Nuggets that could be imparted. So one of the first things he said, um, in this section that, uh, that we posted was, you know, God dealing with his heart hundreds of times in different ways. And so I would love to love to uh, ask him for a few more anecdotes uh, of that. Uh, he shared a few in this interview with Rob, but and then another thing he said was, uh, "Power with God comes by repentance and being more like Christ, and then we have the authority to deal with these bigger issues." So that was really foundational, I think. To you know, we're hearing this fascinating story of how God used this relatively unknown person to deal with something on a worldwide scale like the Federal Reserve System, the banking system, ancient Canaanite altars, you know, um, human sacrifice, all of this big, heavy stuff. And he said that it was that process of sanctification that he was able to do that. It wasn't something that he just said, okay, God, I'm ready. Find me an altar. Um, And one thing too, um, I don't think this was from from Tim necessarily, but I think I, I read this in a, a book I was going through. But I think it relates is just the the idea of some of our issues are are demonic or or you know the enemy, and some of our issues are flesh. And if it's a flesh issue, you can't solve it by a spiritual deliverance. And if it's a demonic issue, you can't solve it by crucifying the flesh. So that's that's a kind of a key point of discernment that we have to come to God and say, okay, I continue to have this issue, or my thoughts are messed up, or I can continue to fail or struggle in this. What is what is the source of these things? And sometimes it's it might be both, but we have to deal with it accordingly. Um, and then another thing he mentioned was uh, a deliverance preceding salvation. And he talked about how that was typically the pattern with Jesus in his ministry was setting people free first. So like when he was, when um, Tim was talking about the his classmate in middle school and God was like, yeah, um, she has a demon, you know. <laughs> deal with that and then get to class. Um, yeah, so that's kind of a, a principle that he talks about as deliverance being a demonstration of the power of God and then people get saved. And ev- he said evangelism is very easy once they're set free first. I think that's that can be very truthful. But again, we don't want to make theology out of a, an experience because... And we can get into this later if we want to discuss it and kind of debate it or whatever. Yeah. But um, I just, I'm I'm finishing up reading um, 
uh, a testimony book of, of someone that was in satanic ritual abuse. Well, she wasn't 100% sanctified, you know, in her adult life, in her mid-30s. She was still dealing with issues. But at the core part of her body, uh, of her being, she had accepted the work of the cross. She was born again. So in my, so she's a Christian, but yet she's got these vexations from the past that still she's she's still not free from. So in in her situation, in her testimony, it wasn't being free first, then coming to Christ. Yeah, it was you know, an acceptance of the cross, and then through that inner core the the onion is being unraveled peeled back, and right. being and peeled back and and she's being cleansed yeah so you know um i know my pastor i guess we're kind of going into it now but my pastor um has been teaching a series on vexed and in his opinion um he's never seen anybody truly possessed like totally consumed with something demonic and but he uh, vexation could be a smaller part a smaller effect that you're dealing with and it's not a complete control and i think if you're willing to open yourself up to something you're willing to get something you know even as a believer you 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 put your hand through that hedge the snake's gonna bite you hmm. you know so and now I got to deal with that. I need to confess it. I need to repent of it. Maybe I need to cast something out, you know? So in my mind, it's not changing my, my core part of me that, that is saved, but now I'm hindered because there's an attachment there that needs to be shaken off. Kind of like Paul, when he was bit, he shook that snake off in the fire, you know? Yeah, that that's that's some some good things to consider. Don, what were what were some of the things that you were wrestling with that you mentioned like just a few minutes ago before we started? Well, one thing that came to my mind while Luke was just talking was um, when he said it wasn't uh, an attack on his core uh, saved uh, you know Christian heart. It was more of uh, you know I I think you did a good job kind of. Uh, giving me a picture by saying maybe it was a piece of something or whatever. And what came to my mind was the uh, like fiery darts that, that uh, um, Satan will send our way and a dart tends to stick. Um, and so that, that actually, that illustration just really made it uh, whole for me. Um, one thing I, one thing I still uh, don't, buy into is that somebody who is a saved Christian being fully demonically possessed. And I guess, I guess the word fully demonically possessed is what I would have to, you know, highlight. Right. No, that makes sense. And, and I'm, I meant to uh, look up this week. I have not yet, but where the Bible talks about being demonized, I have a feeling and I could be wrong, but I have a feeling that the the Bible doesn't talk about possession, but but the word in in Greek is being demonized, and and it, and it simply just means a demonic affliction. And you know, we it's it's I think Tim mentioned it on this on this clip that it 
can just be kind of a matter of semantics of possession, you know, oppression or whatever. Um, but yeah, I've, I've had to wrestle with that too. And I just, I seem to hear enough stories about people that appear to be genuine believers that can have these spirits. And the way that, uh, Rob Skiba mentioned it on this clip was that we are a, a tripartite being. We have, you know, body, mind, and spirit. Um, and, and that's where I, I lean towards, too. I think if we look at, you know, the Garden of Eden and if you do this, you will surely die on this day. And obviously Adam and Eve didn't drop over dead right then. So it's it's pretty well accepted, I think, by theologians, scholars, and even any of us, well, it did, God didn't mean a physical death. So what actually died there? And I think it's it's pretty well accepted Christian theology, I think, right? That it was a spiritual death. And then you look at what Paul says about um, how to be saved, and he says, if you confess with your mouth, physical, and believe in your heart, that's your soul or your mind, then you will be saved, and that's your spirit. So the, the regeneration of the spirit comes when you use the two things out of the three that are still active. Um, and not to get into a, a tangent of uh, like Reformed theology, but that's, that's kind of a difference of opinion there of is there a special work of grace that has to happen first because we are dead in our sins and we can't respond to the gospel? Or is it okay, yes, we're spiritually dead, but we still have these two things functioning enough to at least choose. And so maybe that's that's how we can wrestle with this idea of if if the Holy Spirit is indeed indwelling us as a believer, um, it's still, like Rob said, still is accessible to our mind and our body in some way. I, I think that's a good way to look at it, and I, maybe that's more detail than what I shared. Um, the, the tri part of us, the spirit, soul, and body. So imagine that, um, I, I, I'm born again. I confess, I, I accept the gospel and at the core part of me, which maybe is your spirit is regenerated. A supernatural transformation takes place, but now I've got soulish things maybe have a lot of worldly thoughts, worldly experiences, um, ha bad habits. And then the Bible talks about the flesh. The flesh, it doesn't get reborn until we die and we in our glorified bodies. So the Bible talks about that has to be crucified daily. So if, if the enemy is attacking our flesh, aligning with our flesh, which influence our soul, which is our our thinking and our will, those could still have a lot of baggage, even though I'm born again. And then, you know, it's a, it's a process. So we started talking about Tim Bent's conversation about Lord search me, even areas that of my heart that I don't even know are there. Right. So, could could the enemy attack parts of us that is not fully surrendered to Christ? I don't know. It's almost like giving place to the enemy. And Paul says you know? 
Paul says, you know, that there are two natures at work, right? So, yes, we are saints, but yes, we are sinners. So we have we have two natures at work, um, and it's it's a matter of which one we're going to yield to, or, or um, that old uh, Indian story, you know, the grandfather telling his grandson, you know, I have two wolves inside of me, and one one wants this and one wants this, and uh, the child asking, well, which one's gonna which one's gonna win? Which one's gonna prevail? And he says, the one that I feed. So uh, mm-hmm. it's about it's about which one we're feeding. So um, yeah, kind of moving on from there. Um, this gatekeeping principle. This is uh, Luke. When I when I heard this section of the interview, I think I called you that day, and I was like, this is incredible. So this is a this is a principle that Tim brought up about whatever God's people allow in their hearts, like as uh, someone standing at the gate, right? Then God will allow in our city, and whatever we get out of our hearts, then God will get out of our city. So the idea is a spiritual gatekeeping that we as believers have in the spiritual world, you know, similar to, you know, whatever you bind in on earth will be bound in heaven. I, I think it's along those lines, or even the Lord's Prayer, you know, let it be as in heaven, so on earth. So one of the thoughts that I had about that this week was, you know, we think about just how powerful and wise Satan is, just by nature of who he is, and and also how long he's been around to observe humans. But another kind of nugget uh, occurred to me this week that not only that, but he knows all these, like we've talked about, you know, God's cosmic rules, right? Like the legal ways that spirits are able to do this or that. He knows all of those rules. And we, those aren't like necessarily all clearly laid out in the Bible. And he's able to exploit that stuff. So that was what was so fascinating. You know, Tim talking about these seven or eight Christian leaders in a city of a million people. And once they repented of what the heart of the issue was going on there, the murder rate in this part of town dropped. And so that was one of the things that Tim said was, we have a spirit of restraint because we have God's spirit. So we might have hatred in our heart or lust in our heart or whatever. But we have restraint to say, okay, I'm not going to go out and murder. I'm not going to go out and, you know, and, you know, sleep around or whatever. But it's in our heart. And then the people in our community that don't have God's spirit, that spirit of murder or of adultery or of whatever is now released into our city to create more crime, more sin issues. And yeah, it just reminds me going back to that that famous verse, you know, if my people who are called by name, my name will humble themselves, then I will heal your land. I, I think a lot of that has uh, a lot of truth. Um, we don't realize the dominion, the authority, when we enter back into the family of God through the acceptance of the work of the cross. Um, you're right. We don't realize the authority we have, the uh, the responsibility we have, and maybe the enemy does. 
you know, but if we could wake up to that realization, you know, that our simple act of obedience, our, our step of faith in our prayers, um, or our humbling of ourselves and, 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 and getting free of these things really does affect our neighborhood, our community, our city, our nation, that type of stuff. So I think that's very powerful. Um, and it's very practical. So, you know, um, it's, it's motivating too. I think it's like, wow. Yeah. It's it's definitely challenging. And, and, uh, yeah, it's like, okay, I'm willing to, embrace that, you know, be that man on the, at the gate post and, and say, okay, Lord, judge me first and, you know, see how that affects the city. You yeah. Know? What did you think, Don? Um, I, I think that, uh, I, I, I agree with, uh, the gatekeeper philosophy. I don't know if I've seen it in scripture, but I've experienced it. Okay. And um, the way that I would say I've experienced it, and I think all of us have in a way, is let's say somebody were to come up to you on the street and just, you know, flip you the bird right in your face and start yelling at you. It's not like you're going to, you're probably not going to uh, fall back to your to your Christianity at that moment. <laughs> um, you may, I mean, and you can feel it. You can feel it hit your chest. You can feel it. And nine times out of 10, you're going to respond in the same way that that guy came up to you. Um, also, um, one thing that I saw with the riots of 2020 was the, the mob mentality, you know, as, as just evil just spreads through a huge group of people and they start losing their ability to reason. And I think, I mean, I, I don't see why that couldn't be uh, an open door and a, and an evil entity, you know, in that whole crowd. That makes sense. And I think it's also tied into, um, you know, an earlier episode we had talking about the power of words, you know, or, or blessings and curses like Derek Prince talking about, you know, somebody being, grow up being told, you know, I hate your guts. And then years later they have like stomach cancer, you know, or just, yeah, I think there there is a tangible spiritual application to what we do and what we say and what we think um, that reverberates um, th- throughout our our sphere of influence and beyond. Um, yeah, extremely convicting. Probably the, one of the most convicting, encouraging uh, messages I've heard in in quite a long time. I would. I'd say the last time uh, something like that really challenged me was maybe when I was getting into uh, Ray Comfort's Hell's Best Kept Secret uh, series like 20-some years ago. But, um, yeah, and then Tim talks about uh, praying a very dangerous prayer of letting God (laughs) plow deeper into him and go into places that he wasn't aware of, uh, like you mentioned, Luke, areas that he hadn't even sinned in yet, but that were potential weaknesses. And before we get into that, I just want to comment one more thing. I think it's my opinion that, you know, Satan does everything he can to keep someone from becoming a believer if, they, if they're if they not yet, from, from getting forgiven, from being saved. But once we are, I think he does everything in, in his power to, if he, if he can, if it's possible, to, to reverse that. But if not, uh, to hinder us, to make us weighed down. 
by by all sorts of things and make us ineffective. Um, and so, yeah. But just jumping back to um, to Tim's willingness to <laughs> pray that prayer and let God plow up his heart. Boy, I have to say, I'm not. I don't think I'm willing to to say it as as open ended as he did. I I might say something like, "Okay, do it slowly and gently," <laughs> but but don't don't just you know bring in the farm machinery and start plowing away. But Tim said, "Yeah, little things that uh, other people would get away with, um, God wasn't letting him get away with anymore. Just little things, and and yeah, he related it to King David saying, "Search me and know." know my heart. So these were areas that that God was revealing in Tim that he hadn't even um, transgressed yet, but they were there if he came into a situation in the future, they were there in an area that he would not be prepared to walk um, as Christ would in those areas. So, wow, that's just incredibly challenging to to think that he was willing to pray that and go through that but it was that was the preparation of how he was able to have influence on a larger scale and he said once he gained God's heart on a particular issue a particular area then God showed him okay now I'm going to have you you know have influence in your region on that particular topic so it's kind of that preparation. I I think I think even when we have very good intentions to help people in certain sins, we can we can come dangerously close to that sin in a way, um, trying to trying to understand it or trying to you know. I think when we're praying about somebody else's sin, I think we have to be extra careful because that sin can pop onto us. I've never, you know, wanted to, I've never had a problem with gambling, but I know that that's out there. And I know that deep in my heart, that sin is probably sitting somewhere, you know, and, you know, waiting to come out maybe in some, who knows what kind of form it would come out in. Um, And one thing going back really quick to the gateway I think you can really see the gateway the most in your in your household, because if I come home if I come home in a bad mood, it you can really sit back and watch the bad mood spread you know through the house, and um, you know even if I'm being silent about it, you know even if I'm just being quiet, it it's it tends to do damage. So yeah, it is very practical that way, um, but yeah, we see that. In Scripture, too, you know, judgment coming first to God's people. Um, I don't, I don't recall the exact verse on that, but it's it starts there. And like you said, Luke, just the we don't recognize how much authority we have on the earth. Um, that that God has orchestrated it that way to, you know, we're supposed to be His body and His ambassadors, His representatives. And if we're not, you know, like like Tim said, what authority do I have to, you know, ask for judgment on the Federal Reserve banking system if I'm, you know, still have sin in this area? 
Yeah, um, <clears throat> Pete, as you know, I've, I've shared with you uh, Pastor Doug Riggs' series on the church. And uh, I don't know if you've tapped into that yet. I have, yeah. But um, as he talks about in in that series and uh, in other places, you know, as we partner with the, law, the Lord, um, you know, it starts with faith. It starts with that work of the cross, um, accepting that. And then it, 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 it grows. It's a lifetime of sanctification and growing in where in, in the image of christ you know it's not that we're going to be christ but we're part of the body you know and he is the head so when we get free in areas he can then maybe use use us in a greater measure you know when it comes to authority and and power and dominion and and maybe giftings you know and it seems like tim bentz is has practiced that for many, many years in his Christian life to the point where he's gotten really sensitive to the leading of the Lord, to being obedient, and then he's seeing these results. And that to me, that's very encouraging because it's not like dead religion. You know, I go, I go on Sunday morning or, you know, I got this job and I'm just, you know, it, it, it gives me a, 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 a something greater to look forward to, to pursue, to, to wrestle with, you know, um, just like you might want to shape up our body, you know, by working out and losing weight and being stronger. And you got this physique that you got kind of have in mind. Well, what about, you know, eternal uh, rewards, you know, that we could sew up in heaven by our obedience here on earth just by partnering with him, just by submitting a little bit more and becoming more Christ-like. And, you know, it's, it's wild that he's, he, he has to do the work. We have to be grafted into him in order to do the work. So he's doing the work, but we get credit for doing the work Yeah, <laughs> and get rewarded for that. Oh, so and it's, it's... kind of, Kind of wild. It, but. It, it is. And just the restraint of God to say, I'm not going to make you do these things, but I will supply the power as you yield. And yes. that's just that, that delicate balance of free will and his sovereignty. I, I think of the verse, um, I, I looked it up here, Second Timothy 2.21. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet uh, for the master's use prepared prepared for every good work so yeah as as we are purging things from our lives um then we are a vessel fit for for honorable work uh able to do you know bigger and bigger things and i think i think we get we get power more in our prayers too um we don't we don't just rush out and say oh with all these problems in my city i'm gonna go address him and you know this gatekeeper's idea being that we can have much more influence spiritually if we will will deal with our hearts first and then uh, another part that he brought up was kind of this boundaries idea um and he talked about uh lot and was it abraham uh and their disagreement that lot wanted to have more 
and uh, basically he was trying to enlarge uh, what he wanted, what he had at the expense of others by coveting. And then Tim was talking about this boundary issue. For example, uh, he's in Oklahoma. He said in displacing the Native Americans, I guess, by the the homesteading that that went on early in our country's history, we were, where we displaced uh, Native Americans. But he said that those are often tied to major sexual issues in an area. So that I thought that was really profound that that these that these boundaries were willing to to transgress. And that so that speaks again to this idea that I've I've had about, you know, not all sin being equal, that God cares differently about uh different sins and especially boundaries. There are there are certain boundaries like that we cross that uh, that create other issues, um, and I think that ties in uh, Luke a bit with um, Dr. Laura Sanger talking about some of those uh, spiritual mapping uh, things where where it just reverberates in the land because of these incredible, incredibly awful uh, boundaries that were crossed. Um, human sacrifice and and different things like that. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right. Um, so whether you're pursuing really the most disgusting things that the human will is willing to embrace, or if you're like Tim Bentz describing this yielding and then partnership with the Lord to be one with Him to become more like him in in your character with the fruits of the spirits being manifest. And then you, you see to the right, the the cause and effect in the positive and you see to the left, the cause and effect in the negative. And so it's this, this, this uh, warring going on, you know? Um, So it's, I think there's a lot we can't see, you know, Mm -hmm. um, because we, well, I mean, literally can't see, you know, we, we don't see the spiritual battles. We don't see the angels and the demons and the, you know, all that type of stuff. We can't see that realm, but by us having these discussions, listening to these interviews and stuff, it it, it at least gives us a greater understanding of what's taking place in the heavenlies the second heaven here on earth and how our influence how our actions how our words our thoughts or deeds really do impact our surrounding positive yeah. and negative yeah and then and then the final part of this clip was uh how tim learned that he had to be a priest in his own family before he could have much impact on his community and country so he was talking about kind of that the proper order of dealing with things, you know, him and Jesus, his family and Jesus, and then community and beyond. Um, and yeah, that's that's again convicting as uh, as I'm exploring what it means to be um, gathering as a as a New Testament organic church, and how that's different from maybe what we've all grown up with as the church as an organization as an institution um 
but then realizing, wow, I've got to start with myself. I got to start with my family. You know, you look at the qualifications for an elder, you know, and you go, wow, that that's a person that has is able to lead their family well as a servant. And um, so that's that's very challenging. And then Tim had that story about the the loan, the seven hundred dollar loan to his family member. Well, uh, and and was this the conversation um, also that he was talking to leadership in his church and it was the bad loan that was given to the member? She was a she was basically debt free. Was that in this? This that that was not in this clip that I'm that I'm posting, but or that uh, we, okay. we will post here. But that was prior to that. Yeah, um, the, the the top giver in the church took on a, a a really bad car loan, and everybody was celebrating that she got a car, not realizing she she now had a huge chunk of her fixed in- income that she couldn't give anymore. Yeah, she went from basically being debt-free, all her, her needs taken care of, and because of that, she was able, financially able, to be, even though she didn't make the most, she was the top giver, like gave 80% of her income to the work of the Lord. And then people were, yeah, you're right, people were celebrating, oh, she got a new car, but not realizing it wasn't a paid-off car, it wasn't a debt-free car. She was in a predator type loan that was to her deprament. And it, yeah, that, that story was powerful and how, how they unraveled that for her benefit and then turned it around. And I, one of the things that I really liked, and I know this wasn't in what you shared, but I'll just share it with the, you know, the conversation was how, how cool would it be just like we'll have projects that need to be done at the church and we're going to save for, new air conditioners or, you know, whatever, whatever. What if the needs of the church are, was really laid out there, you know, kind of like everyone's budget, just put on the altar, transparent and everybody's going through it. And then you prioritize it. It's like, Oh, well this, this one's got a medical need. That's just, it's very urgent. This needs to be very urgent. We need to fund that. I think that's the pattern. I think that's, and then let's attack it. And that you look at the book of Acts, that's what took place. It was the church, the body of Christ coming together, those that had little, those that had much, and nobody's needs were lacking. Right. Everybody had what they needed. Yep. So it was this give, it was like this bartering, this sharing, this co-op type of situation. Yeah. It's pretty powerful. Yeah, very much. Yeah. The, the hardest part that when when it comes into this area, this is where I become very selfish because sure. I can see it because <laughs> let's say, you know, let's say we're uh, in a home church or something. And there's this guy who's been just frittering his money away for years and just doing stupid stuff. And then all of a sudden, you know, now I have to sell my property to, to bail him out. Right. That That's where I just, uh, I run into this wall and, uh, and I know what God would expect of me. And yet I'm almost like, I'm unwilling to do it. However, there is, you know, God talks about, you know, our stewardship and our, you know, being wise with our finances. But I think that, uh, 
nowadays, I think that the church and, and teachers uh, in the church even take that a little bit too far. Um, to be too restrictive? It, to be too restrictive. Uh, because if you give a $20 bill uh, to a homeless person and they go buy alcohol, that's on them. You know, you've, you've blessed that person. They're the ones that made the decision to go off and, and do that. However, there's still, there's still uh, valid concerns and points where I'd rather give my $20 to a ministry that assists alcoholics instead of give this, give it to this guy. So it's, it's a tough, there's, there's the discernment needed and, and asking God how to be wise in it. But yeah, then there is the, the generosity of, you know, if you, if you lend to someone, you know, don't expect to get it back. That's, that's a tough, that's a very tough balance. Which I think there's scriptural basis for that. Um, you know, you got your offering, you got your alms, you got your tithe. And I, I want to say it's either in the Psalms or the Proverbs where it talks about giving to those that, that can't give back to you. And when you give to somebody that cannot repay you back, you've lended to the Lord. You're actually almost like got added favor, added credit, where the Lord's just going to look after your needs, whether it's prolonging the tires on your car or, or preventing your refrigerator from breaking down to whatever. You know, it's not necessarily more money in my pocket, but there's other ways that he can bless us. It's a higher and standard. And then you're yeah. then you're reaping rewards in heaven. But I 100% agree with you. Discernment, being led by the Lord, has got to be crucial in in that. And then, as I was talking to my pastor last night at prayer, you know, we talked about the tithe being holy, that that first 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 fruits principle. Well, a lot of us, I do it. You know, okay. Well, the rest is mine. You know, well. What if we were willing to surrender, kind of like what we're talking about with this whole episode, you know, our whole heart, well, our whole paycheck. I was like, okay, Lord, I know you allow me to have this extra money. It's like, is it really mine? Is it really where I can spend it how I want? Or is maybe you want me to do a little bit more because there's a need here. And if I do that, there'd be a blessing for me because I'm, I'm willing to partner with him in this act of obedience just to do a little bit more and and that simple act of i know we're talking about money but we were talking about all you know our our thoughts our words or deeds earlier partnering with him and just asking the question and being willing to listen okay lord what would you have me do with this extra money i have you know is it for me to spend how i want or do you have something else in mind. I'm wrestling that with that right now because I'm about to get uh, an insurance check for my stolen motorcycle. And of course I'm, I'm shopping. I want to, you know, I'm looking at the new ones. I'm looking at the used ones. And then I don't want to burden myself down with a new loan. Even if that is a good down payment, it's like, okay, Lord, what do you have in mind with yeah. this whole situation? Right. No, that's you know? good. And I think it's, I was going to say earlier, it's a higher standard too, because, um, you know, 
oh, you do this? Even the pagans do that. You know, when you lend, when you give, this is how I want you to do it. It's a, it's a higher standard. Um, but, um, yeah, not to, not to go off on a, on, a, on a rant or anything, too, but as I'm exploring, you know, New Testament organic church versus the institution that we've, we're all used to, you think about just how much more resources we would have available uh, to help one another and the poor. I mean, 80-90% of the average church's budget is going towards salaried staff and building, and the, the building that you're meeting in, and you're meeting in it for a few hours a week. You know, it's just so much more that we could do, in my opinion, that... Um, that we can't, but yeah, thinking of Tim's story of this $700 that his family member asked for, for a loan. And he's, he was like, well, that's about all I have in the bank. And he didn't do it. I mean, I, you look at that and you go, well, I can't fault him. I mean, that's all his money. And then here he, he finds out that God was displeased and that he could have been a blessing. Um, wow. It's just so challenging to, to lay all these things down and think of it the way Christ would. So, uh, and then he, well, yeah. Oh, I was going to say, I mean, it, it comes down to stuff that's the, the rich young ruler um, with uh, Jesus. You know, I look at that story and say, well, this rich young ruler has been dead for 2000 years and he should have sold all of this stuff and followed Jesus. I would have. And uh, then, it, but it's, it's contemporary for us as well. You know, I can say, Pete, you know, I really like uh, all your music equipment, you know, and I haven't really saved up for any, but I'd like yours. It, you know, it, it's, it, it immediately gets us right in the chest. And it's like, you know, and I think a lot of it is our culture and the way we were raised. However, we can't use that as an excuse to go against any scripture. And Luke, uh, I'm sorry your bike got stolen. I, that's <laughs> man, that's terrible. And that, is that the one you've had for a long time? Yeah, I've had it five years in a few months. Mm. Oh, got it in November of 2016. Yeah. yeah. Well, whoever has it needs it more than you, I guess. And uh, <laughs> oh no, no, they don't. No, they no. don't. No, they don't. <laughs> get a get a camera on your uh, on your porch uh, or whatever. Uh, oh, I'm boy. definitely uh, uh, trusting the Lord with the process. Yeah, um, he's he's done it before. Where situations like, oh, come on, I can't believe this just happened. And then you look back in the coming weeks and months, and it ended up being a blessing in disguise. Right. You right. know, because I literally would had, had gone to an online company, and they valued it at only two thousand bucks. It's like oh, it's worth more than two thousand to me. Oh, you know, yeah. I know it's right. maintenance issue. It runs great. But, uh, you know, maybe the insurance will value it more than that. So I'll end up mm -hmm. getting more out of the deal. But I don't like I said, it's I'm trusting the Lord with the process. And even when I do get some kind of insurance benefit, because it's been two weeks, it's not going to be I don't want it back at this point. Yeah. Um, I'm going to trust the Lord with with that money. And maybe he sees a need that I need that money for that I'm not even picturing and right. I'm just focused on, Oh, I want a new bike, you know? Yeah. Mm. So, um, it'll work out in the end. Yep. <laughs> yep. God has silver linings in mind for sure. But, uh, 
Yeah, well, really good discussion, guys. And um, so again, this um, this is just going to be a commentary on on the repost that I asked uh, Tim's permission to to put out uh, on our show. And then, yeah, we look forward to to getting him on. He said he'd be willing to do a follow up. And uh, boy, what an honor that would be to uh, to have a, a humble man of God that did did some of these incredible exploits on the worldwide stage people don't even realize you know how that's connected to the 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 financial crash of 08 and everything um so yeah we look forward to to meeting with him and talking and learning from from him uh i would love to again pick his brain on some of those areas that that god challenged him in and i think that would be really instructive so all right. Absolutely. Well, yeah. Well, Looking forward to it. Well, with that, we'll we'll wrap up for today, and uh, we will see you again next week. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Days of Noah podcast. We really appreciate you tuning in. I wanted to post right after this a follow up to Luke's story about his bike that got stolen. Uh, because just today, as we were recording another episode, he had a follow-up to that story. So I'm going to post that right after I speak right now, and I think you'll be interested to hear that. So again, thanks for listening, and uh, feel free to contact us at any time with questions or comments for the show uh, at the Days of Noah Podcast at gmail.com. And thanks again for listening. See you next week. Yeah, so I got to give God some glory. Um, I don't know if I ever said it on air. Uh, Don, you know, um, my motorcycle was stolen three weeks ago. And uh, I mean, it's mine. It was my first bike. I still enjoyed it, put a smile on my face. And as everybody knows, I'm a fireman. So I, it was happened to be a, a Sunday that I didn't ride it to work. I needed to do maintenance on the car, throughout the car and get home the next morning after shift, it's gone. So the testimony um, and the, the glory I want to give to God is I got a call from the adjuster yesterday. I got some documents I need to get notarized. Well, one, the bike has not been found. No leads, nothing. But I paid $4,800 for that bike. Um, you know, maybe another grand, 1500 in maintenance through the years, had it five years. They're offering me $7,600 for my insurance claim. So the, they valued it more than what I paid for it five years ago. Plus, they're giving me another $1,300, $1,400 for the accessories, which when I bought it for $4,800, it had the accessories on it. So I didn't, I didn't spend any money on the accessories. So God not only allowed me to get the bike, use it for... 15,000 miles of use for five years, but now he's blessing the family with $7,600, you know. So now I'm just gonna be patient. Of course, of course, of course, in the flesh, I just like, I want another bike. I'm already shopping and all that. But I'm like, okay, Lord, 
do you have another do you have another purpose with this money i don't know i'm just trying to be obedient but if you'll let me i want to get another bike <laughs> that's a nice down payment you know well yeah or buy you could almost buy one outright again or, yeah you know, or or have leftover hopefully but oh that's awesome praise god for that